You know, when I first saw this video, it reminded me of years ago in a galaxy far away, as I put it, in another life when I worked in an office and was standing around a water cooler one day, and we were talking about Christmas, what we liked best about Christmas, what was exciting, and somebody said, well, you know, I love all the lights. They're just so beautiful this time of year. Somebody else said snow when we have snow, how pretty that looks. Somebody said, oh, the music, the music's just great this time of year that we've heard for a month already in many of the malls, and somebody else said, well, of course, the presents. I love the presents. They said, well, what about you? What what do you like about Christmas the most? I said, you know, I love this story, but I love in the backdrop of this story is that Jesus came to go to the cross to give us life. And one person responded and looked at me, just shook his head and said, you know, isn't it just like you Christians? You have to ruin the story of Christmas too. You know, it is probably different from most of our celebrations tonight. Our celebrations that are involving family or friends that are special foods and special events and things that we do, there's a lot of joy in those celebrations. So this backdrop, a backdrop of what we just saw, the backdrop of a cross, might seem a little bleak, it might seem a little dark. But you know, the Christmas story starts in darkness. It starts in a world that is oppressed, a world where people are ruled, ruled by tyranny, ruled by soldiers that are paid to be malicious and to be mean and to just keep the peace no matter what happens. It's in a world where people are being forced to have this tax taken, another one on top of a burden already that they bear, and they have to leave their home and go to other homes and journey. It's a backdrop of people who are disillusioned kind of with life, maybe even with their religious life. It's been 500 years, 500 years of waiting for a voice to come from their God in the form of a prophet, someone to speak. Have they been abandoned? Have they been left? Are they utterly, utterly alone? Words like despair, and rejection are part of the backdrop of the Christmas story. Well, you know, those aren't foreign words. You think about our world tonight. There are still problems and despair and rejection going on. And I'm sure we know people who will not celebrate Christmas tonight or cannot celebrate Christmas tonight or won't be able to celebrate Christmas tonight. And it's true of Jesus' story, too, as we look at that, as we see it in the Gospels. But here we are tonight, and why am I talking about darkness and despair and rejection and oppression on the backdrop of just an incredible celebration like Christmas? And I think it's because the Bible validates that there is darkness in this life, that we know in Scripture it was hard and it was tough and we see failure and brokenness. But we also see light. And I want you to hear once again the opening verses that we spoke tonight where Isaiah says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Or when John says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
You see, we come here too in that light, and the light of Jesus. But that story, that story of lightness and darkness of those contrasts, is part of Jesus' story, part of the one that we come tonight to celebrate. It's part of who he was even before he was born. There was turmoil and trouble with his own parents. For Mary, who became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, has to be in a society where she's ostracized and fingers are pointing and rumors are being spoken. And she's shut out and she's rejected. And her husband, who loves her but thinks the worst of her, has to come to grips with what he's going to do until an angel speaks to him. Then they're rooted out of their town in that small town and have to move and have to travel and it's hard and it's not easy. And they get to Nazareth or they get to Bethlehem finally and they find an inn. (laughs) And those famous words that we all know, there is no room for them. Rejection. There's a stable and a manger and animals and straw and strips of clothing. That's part of this story. It's also part of Jesus' story. For remember, even as a baby, now kings want to have him killed and he has to leave and be exiled to a foreign country and come back. And as his ministry begins, it's one thing after another that goes throughout his life in terms of rejection. As soon as he's baptized, he's taken into the wilderness where the devil throws everything at him to tempt him to get him to go off mission. He gets back from that, he goes to Nazareth, he preaches to his own people, his hometown. And after he's done, he says, the scripture's fulfilled, what do they want to do to him? Take him to a hill and throw him off the hill and kill him. There's a man dropped through a roof to be healed. And he says to him, your sins are forgiven and now the religious establishment is after him because who are you to forgive sins? He eats with a tax collector, Matthew, and they call him a drunkard and somebody who associates with sinners and somebody that isn't fit to be a prophet. He finds a woman that's outcast who anoints his feet and they say, well, you must not be a prophet because you don't know what kind of a person this is who's touching you. Rejection again and again. He casts out demons in a town and has them go into pigs. The pigs go over the hill and the people ask him what? Leave. Get out of our town. We can't afford you. You ruin our economy. He tells his disciples, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Birds have nests, foxes have holes, but I have nothing. Just as he began in this story, no room for him in a manger, in poverty. So he tells his disciples that same thing. Finally, the Pharisees say to him, well, you must be in league with the devil, the very one he comes to destroy. It goes on and on And on and on, there is no room in the religious world, there is no room in the economic world, there is no room for him in the political world. You see, that's part of the backdrop of this story. And so we're here tonight, and we're gathered as a people, and we're gathered to worship. But I would guarantee there is somebody out there tonight sitting here who this story doesn't really fit what they want Christmas to be, or they're here because they were compelled to be, or they're doing it out of obligation, or maybe it's a tradition. 
that all these things I'm saying tonight just seem to not fit. You're just enduring until the time's over, the sermon's over, you can get out of here, you can go home, you can go on with your life. Jesus just doesn't seem to fit. But you know, the scriptures say that too. John says this, he came to his own, to his own family, to his own people, to the people who looked forward to the promise of him for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And he says, but his own would not receive him. You know, that's true. You see, we're here and we're celebrating and we're worshiping and there's majesty and there's pageant and there's beautiful music and it's incredible things. But remember, Jesus said people like him aren't going to be found in palaces. They're going to be found in the dregs of humanity, in the dark places, in the broken places, in the places where no one thinks that there's anybody in the world who cares about them. Jesus came into this world to be like you and me. You know, think about that at that manger. When the shepherds came, they saw a baby. That's what the angels told them, but they saw a baby. They didn't realize he was Yahweh in that baby. They saw a baby. That's what the king saw. They saw a baby. That's what the problem was as his story goes on and on again. He heals, he forgives sins, he makes his claims, but all the people saw was a man, like you and like me. And they couldn't put it together, and it didn't make sense to them in that story how he could be the eternal God. He's just a man, he's just a person. But that's important to this story tonight. That's important to the message that we hear. Because he's just a person like you and like me. So wherever you are in your pew, whatever's going on in your life, whatever situation is happening, he understands it. Because he's like you. And he's like me. And he doesn't expect us to change our lives in order for him to meet us. You see, it's not about him saying to you, well, you clean it up, you get it right, you get it straight, you do all these things. That's not what this story is. It's about him coming into our world to be like us, to be where we are tonight. Lonely, afraid, angry, upset, looking at your watch, trying to get it over, whatever place that is, Jesus identifies with you. If you're a loner, if you're an outsider, if you feel shut off, if you feel this doesn't appeal, this is the message of Christmas. This is truly what we celebrate. The God coming to be like us in every way. You know, in the season of Advent, we light these four candles around the Christ candle. It's a candle of peace, a candle of hope, a candle of joy, a candle of love. They symbolize the gifts that Jesus came to give us. See, that's why we give gifts. We're giving gifts in imitation of what he has done for us. But here's the beauty of these things, of peace and hope and love and joy. Jesus brings those gifts to you. 
I mean you as an individual, not like the person sitting next to you receives them or they're brought to him, but to you in the way in your life that you need those things to come to you. That's what this story is. So if you don't think there's hope for you, if you don't think there's joy, or if there's love or any of those things, remember this, Jesus is here tonight to bring to you the very thing that you need in your life, the way you need it to meet you where you are, not where he is, but where you are. You see, that's what Emmanuel means, God with us. That's what we're here to celebrate, that God is with us, with you and with me in our lives every day, not just tonight, but tomorrow and the day after and the day after that, and it goes on and on in our lives, no matter what happens to us. He brings peace and hope and joy and love to us so that we can find strength and forgiveness and love in him. See, that's what this story truly is. An incredible gift that we receive. Will you pray with me? Jesus, what an incredible night it is that we celebrate your coming into this world. May we always remember, Lord, that whatever we go through in our lives, the ups, the downs, the rejections, the darkness, the brokenness. You come to be with us. You come to meet us in our need. You came that we might have life and might have it in you. Give us strength and may we truly celebrate these gifts tonight in moments in our own celebration, in quiet times, in a prayer around the table. Whatever it is, you want to be part of us, not a stranger and not strange, but our brother who came to be with us that we might have light in our lives and might see your face always. All of this we ask in your name. Amen.